Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sowing the seeds of cannabis and sounding the praise of our favorite plant, it's time to Hemp Resent. Our radio resident Hempo Sapien, Vivian McPeak, will present a weekly platform for guests and listeners to Hemp Resent about hemp and cannabis from the legal, activist, and reformist route. Let's round up and roll it up for our headmaster of hemp, Vivian McPeak. Welcome to the Hemp Resent Resistance, the weekly radio podcast where you can fill your knowledge void of cannabinoids and get your PhD in THC and CBD because you don't just want to burn it, you want to learn it. Seeking to defeat the alternative facts of prohibition one interview at a time and advocating for the plant, the whole plant and nothing but the plant. Join me for a weekly Reaper Radio Rebellion Against Prohibition as I speak with some of the principal risk takers, movers and shakers and history makers of the cannabis industry, culture, and reform movement. I am your host, Vivian McPeak. I am the executive director of the world's largest annual cannabis policy reform event, the Seattle Hemp Fest, still kicking in its 28th year and founded hempfest.org. I'm also the author of the book, Protestable, a 20-year retrospective of Seattle Hemp Fest from AHA Publishing, also found at hempfest.org. Today's guest on Hempresent is Seattle attorney Douglas Hyatt. Douglas Hyatt is a criminal defense attorney who has spent the majority of his career serving as a public defender, most recently with the Northwest Defender Association in Seattle and with the Skagit County Public Defender's Office, developing an acute appreciation for the injustices of our legal system. Hyatt's concern for downtrodden victims of the drug war aggression compelled him to enjoin private practice here in Seattle. As a member of the Federal Criminal Justice Act panel, Hyatt continues to take indigent clients in federal prosecutions. A champion of the underdog and savior of the sick and poor, Hyatt has spent many years handling complicated medical marijuana defense cases, largely pro bono. Hyatt also serves on the legal team of Seattle Hemp Fest, and he has joined me today to give us another update on the status of the war on cannabis. Welcome, Douglas, to Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio. You have the distinction of not only being the first person I ever interviewed on the show, but this will be my first time I've had a guest back three times. Can't think of anybody more deserving. Oh, man, it's an honor to, uh, it's honor to be the first uh, three-time guest here, and uh, it's great to be with you. 
Douglas, let's start off by you giving us your assessment, assessment of the current state of legalization in America. Is cannabis legal in multiple states? That seems to be the predominant concept. You know, I, uh, I find it almost uh, impossible to answer that question without launching into a, a big diatribe about federal and state law. And I'm sure everybody is uh, tired of uh, hearing that everything remains illegal federally. But that really is the key uh, to the whole puzzle right now. Um, cannabis is legal, quote, in quotes, um, under state laws in certain states uh, with certain limits. It's, it's a minefield. I believe it's an incredibly unfair situation we find ourselves in with varying amounts legal, uh, various state schemes that, you know, are not uniform. Um, and, and, and penalties that, that continue to exist in the criminal law that vary wildly from state to state with an overarching federal illegality that is still in place and is still as absurd as it's ever been. So, you know, I would say, no, we do not have legalization. We're not really close. We need mountains. We have many mountains of reform left to climb. But the important thing to remember is all this talk about reform and movement forward and change and everything is great, but it's largely talk. Not until the recent First Step Act, not one single iota of federal law has changed as it relates to cannabis, period. Not one single thing has changed at the federal level. Well, talk about the First Step Act. What changed? The first, the first Step Act is the legislation that you might have heard about that was touted by the Trump administration and several longtime criminal justice reform advocates like Cory Booker. Um, Senator Booker was honest enough to admit that it's not really even a first step. Uh, it's not a baby step. It's, it's, it's basically nothing. It, it's a very, very, very small bit of reform. Um, that primarily addresses the crack cocaine disparity uh, where you had, you know, crack uh, being penalized at 100 times, uh, basically the rate of powder, um, which was a huge driver of the racial disparities in the drug war. And so it took a little, it took care of that and it made it retroactive so we can get some people out. But their idea of reform is to take, you know, life in prison sentences for people that never should have been sentenced to life in prison in the first place. Nonviolent, you know, drug offenders sentenced to life in prison can now get out after 25 years under certain circumstances. Those people should not have been in prison 25 minutes, let alone 25 years. So I don't consider you know, that uh, a big step. Um, these people need to be let out. Obama toyed with the idea and then didn't do anything and was a huge disappointment. And now we have the same exact thing happening again at the federal level. Some basic sham reform that affects a couple of folks and, you know, the racist system that runs the drug war is still largely in place. Douglas, you were a vocal and outspoken critic of, critic of I-502, the Citizens Initiative that in 2012 changed Washington cannabis law in our state. You had a different strategy all along. In your opinion, what's wrong with the I-502 approach? 
What would you have done different? And how might that different approach have produced a different outcome? Well, I mean, I, I, it just makes me sick every day to think where we could be. I wrote the first initiative back in 2010 um, to legalize marijuana. The initiative I wrote actually legalized marijuana. It took all the laws making marijuana illegal under state law off the books and would have left only the federal law remaining. At that point, the federal government would have had a choice. They would have had to fight us, um, but we could have uh, prevailed uh, on anti-commandeering grounds. And I believe we could have changed. We could have forced the feds to change their law. That's how the country reformed prohibition. It's exactly how we got rid of alcohol prohibition in the state. I essentially copied the citizens initiative that got rid of alcohol prohibition. That's why we knew it was constitutionally sufficient and it would work. What I-502 did was just carve out a little exception and said, well, if you do all this, then you're not violating the law. It just created an exception. It created a completely unworkable system and it left things largely illegal and it left all the criminal law surrounding marijuana in this state intact. So the only law that changed was, you know, if you're an adult over 21, an ounce was decrimmed for you. That was about it. So that is not legalization. The problems that have been spawned from 502, such as the uh, ridiculous five nanogram driving provision, which is being, you know, used to terrorize uh, cannabis users all over the state, and the zero tolerance policy they adopted for kids, uh, anybody under 21 um, with cannabis and any amount of cannabis in their system is guilty of a DUI. It's just an absurd, sickening situation. Um, that initiative created new penalties for marijuana, which should never happen in the reform movement when we have control of the reform. And it was just an extremely poor way to do legalization. Unfortunately, it gained momentum, and then that idiotic model has been replicated, and all the problems it creates have been replicated, and so has been replicated in several states. And we'd have been much, much better off, and we'd be much farther down the road with federal reform if we had taken the you know honest approach and simply uh, reformed our state law first, forcing the federal government to reform its position as it did during prohibition. The hell of an opportunity that we missed and it allowed um, a, a, uh, a whole system of, uh, of laws to be put in place and regulations to be put in place that are just absolutely killing um, the nascent industry such as it is. Someone could argue I can go into a store in Washington State, I can purchase up to an ounce of cannabis and walk out. What happens if they have over an ounce of cannabis? What happens if they have 29 grams? Well, idiotically, we have a misdemeanor marijuana possession that is still possible for you to be charged with a misdemeanor marijuana possession between, you know, 29 to 40 grams. If you have over 40 grams, it's a felony. If you're growing and you're not in the registry one way or another, um, it's, you know, still a felony. Um, medical patients especially, you know, are in a tough spot um, because of the restrictions uh, on growing for medical patients and because of the absurd 
uh, hypocritical, ridiculous, disgusting situation where they're taxing uh, cannabis, uh, taxing medicine for patients. Even though we don't tax medicine in the state, any other kind of medicine, they tax cannabis being used as medicine um, at the same, virtually at the same rate as the recreational uh, users. It's uh, ridiculous. Do you think it would be fair for someone to make the assessment that what we have today is legalization on the prohibitionist terms? Absolutely. Absolutely. This is not legalization. This is not freedom. It's always, and you know this, Viv, probably better than anybody. This has never been uh, about marijuana. This is about freedom. And this is about whether we're going to continue to remain free um, in this society, in this country, or whether we're going to become uh, imprisoned, uh, basically, in our, in our own stupidity. Um, but it's always been about freedom, and it still is. And we are a long way from home, and they are still sentencing, you know, 100 people a week in federal courts around the country for marijuana crimes. And people need to know that. The drug war is still, you know, raging right along, and it's still, you know, just as racist and as awful uh, as it's always been, and it continues to happen every single day in this country. Douglas, we don't have – one of the things about I-502 in Washington State is it left – personal cultivation of cannabis illegal. Uh, I, I, we might be the only state, I'm not sure, that has no form of legal homegrown of the states that have, uh, quote, legalized. How is not having any legal amount of homegrown for non-patients neg negatively impacting the people of our state? Well, I mean, again, we just talked about freedom. You know, we just talked about, you know, what do we have here? Uh, you know, do we have any kind of freedom? And I mean, that's the, that's the whole point. And, and we don't. Um, you know, so people, people that are poor, people that want to grow organically, people that want to grow medically, people that, you know, that want to take care of themselves without being involved or ensnared in some kind of a registry program that can put you at risk with the federal government. Um, they have no alternatives. None. We're right back to, you know, hey, I'm going to grow for myself. I'm going to have to take care of myself. I'm going to have to argue medical necessity. I'm going to have to break the law. Um, because there's no other way for me to take care of myself as a patient. And, you know, it's ridiculous. It's, it's just, you know, right now, one of the things I, I talked about before was, you know, we were fighting the government before. Now you're fighting the government and many people in the quote unquote industry because many people in the industry don't support home grow. They don't support anybody other than their little monopoly growing. So they don't want people uh, growing, um, you know, uh, 15 plants at home or 10 plants or even four plants. They, they don't want anybody growing because they want to preserve their monopoly. Yeah, they want to we, preserve what, what their closed see, system. What we see in Washington state is home brew. People can brew their own beer and wine and it's not hurting the alcohol industry at all. My guest is, nope. my guest is attorney Doug Hyatt. We're going to take our quick pause, hear a word from our sponsors, advertisers, come back with our second segment. Don't go anywhere. Time to roll out for the people that let us hemp present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Cannabis industry professionals want to gain some new leads, make genuine business connections, and get premier brand exposure? This is your opportunity. NCIA's new industry socials are kicking off in Seattle, Portland, Las Vegas, Salt Lake City, and Phoenix in January. Register today using the promo code CANNABISRADIO20. 
all spelled in caps as one word, Cannabis Radio 20, to take 20% off at thecannabisindustry.org slash events. Sponsorship opportunities are available. Register today at thecannabisindustry.org slash events. Now available for pre-order through crowdfunding for just $14 plus $10 shipping. Pouches, premium mixing and rolling pouches, allow you to carry and prepare your herbs for consumption with discretion and ease. These stylish pouches are handcrafted using strong zips, long-wearing buffalo leather outside, and smooth sheepskin inside. A portion of proceeds go to fund vital medical research into cannabis for ADHD. See a demo and get yours now on Indiegogo or Pouches.com. That's P-O-U-C-H-Z dot com. Are you ready to be inspired and educated by the best of the best in the cannabis industry while enjoying sunny South Florida? Then you cannot miss out on the second annual United States Cannabis Conference and Expo, August 2nd and 3rd at the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. The USCC Expo welcomes all cannabis business professionals, medical cannabis caregivers and clinicians, growers and dispensary owners to join us for another can't-miss event. Sponsored by the radio and podcast leader for all things cannabis, CannabisRadio.com. Learn more at usccexpo.com. We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. And we're back on Hemp Present with Seattle criminal justice attorney Douglas Hyatt. Uh, Douglas, the Supreme Court ruled last week prohibiting all 50 states from imposing what they, quote, said excessive fines, including the property on people accused or convicted of a crime. How important might that ruling be in regards to the drug war? Does this ruling, does this really matter? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This ruling matters. This is a big one. And we've been, you know, kind of waiting for it. It's a ruling that can actually help. Um, ameliorate the damage done by one of the Supreme Court's worst rulings when they decided that they could seizure property and criminal forfeiture actions, and that didn't violate the double jeopardy uh, clause of the Constitution. That was a terrible decision the Supreme Court rendered back in the 80s at the height of the drug war. This is clearly the court saying, um, yeah, we may have meant that for double jeopardy purposes. It's not the same thing, but we don't want to see um, the kind of abuses in the civil forfeiture system that we've seen uh, since, uh, you know, 1980 or so. So what's happened here is really, really big. This is the Supreme Court applying a part of the Eighth Amendment to the states through the 14th Amendment that had not been applied to the states before. What this is going to allow me to do is this is going to allow me to end a lot of forfeiture cases. Um, that are currently pending. One of the things that's driving a lot of us uh, in the reform end of things, uh, lawyer-wise crazy, are the forfeiture actions that progressives, quote-unquote, like Dan Satterberg and Pete Holmes uh, here in Seattle are supposed to be progressive prosecutors. Unfortunately, they have filed to take people's homes simply for growing marijuana. And they're claiming that they can't deter people from growing marijuana and making all this money by shipping it to the East without doing these ridiculous property forfeitures. So, you know, you've got people that are growing in their house. In addition to being charged with a crime, the felony, they're also um, at risk of losing their house. 
um, the government tries to take their house and says, you were using the house for an illegal purpose, we're taking it. The Supreme Court has now said, hey, wait a minute, you can't take somebody's house just because they're growing a little marijuana. You've got to prove that that was a big money-making operation, that there's dirty money in the house. You know, you can't be taking the house, uh, a $200,000, $500,000, million-dollar house, when you've got somebody charged with a crime that only carries a $5,000 maximum fine. That's ridiculous. You're penalizing them. You're penalizing them at hundreds of, or even thousands of times what the maximum statutory fine is. I mean, maybe. They may have very well bought the house before they were engaged in any of the other. Exactly. Exactly. The house could be totally unconnected. And that's what's so wrong about this. And this was this stems from a case where a guy, you know, did a did a very small drug deal and they took his Range Rover um, that he had paid for. And that was didn't have a thing to do with drug money. And they were like, oh, yeah, we can seize it. And just to show you how out of balance things have gotten, if people want to hear their Supreme Court in action, you can go back and listen to the oral arguments in this case that occurred a few months ago, and you'll hear all of the justices mocking the Solicitor General from Indiana, who was making the claim that the government could take any property it wanted to. It could seize any property it wanted to if it was being used for an illegal purpose. It didn't matter. In other words, they were saying they had an absolute right to take people's property and the proportionality doesn't matter. You're involved in a $4 drug deal. We're taking your $4 million house. They were arguing there's nothing wrong with that. And fortunately, the Supreme Court stepped in and said, wait a minute, that's crazy. We're not doing that anymore. And oh, by the way, it's constitutional. It's the Eighth Amendment. And it applies to you guys just like the civil rights laws right through the 14th Amendment. So get used to it, baby. And it has the potential. Where would that money go from taking somebody's house? Directly into the coffers of law enforcement. All of these state provisions have created a huge conflict of interest. Because if I'm the cop and I come to bust you, I can essentially go shopping in your house. I want this. I want that. I want this. That's what they do to people. They take all their stuff and then... They uh, they try to keep it, and if they keep it, they get to keep it. The actual police get the money. You don't need to be convicted of a crime for them to keep it. No, they can. You can never be charged with a crime, and you can lose everything. You can lose the civil forfeiture action, um, and lose your house and your money, your bank accounts, everything. I've had people here in Washington State tied up. I've had their money tied up for over a year. I've had their house tied up for over a year. And now I'm getting those cases dismissed because there's nothing they can do proportionally with them. This is somebody's, you know, uh, manufacturing marijuana in their home for their sick wife and the, and, and the government is trying to take their home. That's what's happening in a couple of cases. There's no evidence of sales. There's no evidence of money being exchanged. There's no evidence of anything. So they're going to have to, you know, dismiss those cases. We're going to get, you know, people's homes back because of this ruling. This ruling has the potential. I mean, it put, you know, arrows in our quiver. This ruling has the potential to slow the drug war forfeiture game, to slow it down. And, you know, it's going to uh, apply, uh, obviously, to the federal government as well. And it's going to, you know, force... Uh, law enforcement to take a good hard look at what they're doing. 
And it's about goddamn time. Let's talk about CBD. CBD products are seemingly everywhere. They're, they're even in they're even in local drugstore chains here. There's a common perception that CBD is legal. Is that the case? No. And I think we're going to have a real problem um, with CBD moving forward. Right now, um, <laughs> the, the federal government's hypocrisy on this issue knows no bounds and apparently no end. But at any rate, as you'll remember, marijuana is a Schedule One drug. It has a high potential for abuse and no accepted medical treatments. Um, the problem for the federal government now is that dronabinol, which is the synthetic uh, equivalent of THC, which is synthetic THC, is in Schedule uh, Three, which means you could call in a prescription for it. And CBD has been scheduled in Schedule 4. So CBD is a Schedule 4 prescribable drug now. And that's where the problem comes in. All these folks selling CBD, um, you know, are going to run, in the, run into the problem that it is a Schedule 4 controlled substance. Um, not a controlled substance, but a Schedule 4 drug right now, and it's prescribable. There's talk that the FDA is going to approve CBD for topical and cosmetic and all those kind of uses. Um, but they haven't done anything to do that. And basically any people that are out there producing and, and using CBD products and stuff are all at risk of a federal law violation. Um, they're all at risk because the farm bill doesn't, you know, legalize commercial CBD hemp products. Um, the government's position is that you can't derive um, significant amounts of CBD from hemp anyway. Um, there's a huge problem with, you know, people want, you know, uh, marijuana compounds. They want them to, they want to be able to use them as medicine, CBD, other compounds in marijuana. Um, you know, people want to be able to use them as medicine. Totally understandable. But the problem is, the way the government is going about it piecemeal and still keeping it in Schedule 1 and not recognizing the medical uses, it's, again, hampering any kind of true legalization efforts. It's hampering any ability to use uh, cannabinoid compounds for medical or cosmetic or any other purposes because the FDA still theoretically um, has to approve any product with CBD in it, and if it's not approved then technically you're in violation of the law. Um, so, you know, whether they're going to actually try to crack down and enforce things, I don't know. The government right now is so screwed up because of the Trump administration, it's not really functioning. And it's so understaffed that, you know, I'm not sure what's going to happen with the FDA and CBD going forward, but people would do well to be cautious. Uh, I know there's a big hemp rush going on, but people could get hurt if, uh, you know, Bob Barr is not a fan of marijuana and he just became attorney general. And, you know, those of you that remember the Bush administration, remember how kind they were to medical patients and others trying to use marijuana as medicine. So um, I think it's uh, timely to remember uh, Mr. Barr's previous performance uh, as Attorney General. My guest is still Doug Hyatt, and we're going to hear one more uh, word from our sponsors, advertisers. Come back with our final questions. Stick with us. Time to roll out for the people that let us hemp present. Hang loose. 
We're coming right back. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the host of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint Business and cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. We're back to Hemp Present, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. We're back with Seattle attorney Douglas Hyatt. Douglas Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez recently spoke out against race and gender disparities in the legal cannabis industry. Uh, She mentioned that it's reported that 73% of executives in Colorado and Washington are male, 81% are white, yet a disproportionate amount of those incarcerated for cannabis have been people of color. Do you have any thoughts on this? Well, uh yeah. I mean, I think one of the problems here, and I actually saw uh, the mayor of New York, uh, Bill de Blasio, on uh, Bill Maher's real-time show, and he was talking about this very issue, how he would like to see uh, legalization in New York, um, and he would like to see uh, opportunities for people of color, for women, for the neighborhoods and the communities that were most impacted by the incredibly racist war on drugs, which is ongoing. Um, the communities that were most severely impacted by that should be the communities that get the economic opportunity to benefit from it, and they should be first in line. And I completely agree with that. One of the things that is sickening to me is the way that legalization was done, and the people that did legalization virtually ensured that only you know rich, uh, largely white, uh, older white guys uh, with capital and with a lot of money would be, you know, involved in the cannabis industry. And that's what's happened. You've got ridiculous overvaluation. You've got speculation. You've got investors being ripped off. You've got pump and dump schemes rampant. Um, You've just got, you know, ridiculous valuations on companies and huge amounts of speculation. 
the way they did legalization, you know, basically uh, allowed for this. And if uh, Mayor de Blasio is serious, uh, there are a lot of us that have different models and have different uh, ideas uh, about how uh, you could grant licenses and how you could uh, give people from the impacted communities uh, a leg up uh, first. There are certainly ways to do it. Uh, we don't have to do it uh, in the stupid way um, that it's being done. We don't have to embrace um, vertical integration and corporate uh, marijuana. Uh, we don't. We have a choice um, in how we organize our economy. The Constitution, if folks would take a gander at it, doesn't say a damn thing about capitalism and it doesn't say anything about how we organize our economic life. Um, but since democracy is uh, the overriding uh, message uh, from, you know, our founding fathers, since the democratic principles that they embraced, we're supposed to guarantee different outcomes and experimentation and things like that. That's why we have the system we have. And I think it would be totally appropriate for New York, for the mayor, for, representative um, for the representative to be involved in and in coming up with a better way uh, than the way it's being done now, because the way it's being done now is not producing the results that we wanted to see produced. There's no doubt about that. Women, people of color, communities of color are not getting any benefit um, from the current schemes and the current legalization schemes that are that are being promulgated. We're going to have to leave it at, uh, at that. Douglas Hyatt at douglashyatt.net, D-O-U-G-L-A-S-H-I-A-T-T dot N-E-T. Doug, I could talk to you for hours, and we sometimes do. We are time is limited today. And we do. We do talk for hours. And look out for, look out for Sensible Washington. Sensible Washington is going to come back here shortly. Uh, Sensible Washington will be reorganized uh, as a nonprofit and look for some Washington to get uh, back involved in, uh, in some of the drug policy work that uh, we've got left to do here in Washington state. Thanks so much, Doug. Right on brother. Now I want to get to a weekly feature hammers in on cannabisradio.com. That's the quote of the week. And here it is. And I quote, it doesn't look like any of the people were reaping the profits of this are the same people who are directly impacted. So my question is really about, are we compounding the racial wealth gap right now based on who is getting first mover advantage? And that's a direct quote from Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. This includes this installment of on Cannabis Radio. I want to thank Brasco, my man on the control room, all the Cannabis Radio sponsors and advertisers. Join me next week for some more reefer repartee and cannabis confabulation with some special hemp with sapien on a journey to justice as we silence the violence, increase the peace, and promote unity in the cannabis of his community with impunity because when it comes to prohibition you've got the right not to remain silent activism requires a voice find yours and speak up for justice because resistance is fertile till then my friends stay strong stand tall toke it easy don't forget to email me at hempresent at gmail.com hempresent theme song take back the plants performed by sacred bush and sung by much younger version of myself turn up the music maestro because i'm out marijuana The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.